Good morning, New Life. First Sunday of 2024. Anybody fired up? We're feeling good? Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate it. I personally am the kind of person that I do get excited about a new year. I love relaxing the last week of the year, kind of decompressing, and then coming in fresh, hitting the ground running. So I know not everybody's like that. I know uh, my wife Meg, her uh, great grand or her grandmother, Mama, uh, a few years ago. She's 84 at the time, and Cade, Meg's brother, came up to Mama and he said, "Mama, you got any goals for the new year?" And Mama said, "Well, I reckon if I haven't done it now, I'm not going to do it." <laughs> so I know that's how some of you feel. You're like, "New year, same me. It's not going to make a difference." And as I was praying and thinking, um, what should I speak on today? Because uh, Brett gave me a, the ability to decide what to speak on. I just kept feeling like God was saying, talk about how to help the church grow, how to help Christians grow. As we start the new year, maybe some of you think about how can I grow mentally and you're buying some books or how can I grow physically and you got the gym membership and you'll be there for a couple of weeks at least. Um, some of you, you know, you're, you're, you're growing in your marriage and you might be trying to work on being a better husband or, or wife and you're wanting to grow. And so I think, man, this is a great time to talk about how to grow. So if you've got a Bible, let's open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, uh, First Peter is written by Peter, a follower of Jesus, one of his closest followers. He was a leader in, in the early church. And he was writing to a group of Christians who were exiles. They were being persecuted. They were scattered all throughout the Roman Empire. And he's trying to help them keep the faith and keep following Jesus till the end, till Jesus returns. So this is the Word of God, First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. So Peter said, guys, love each other constantly. Have a great love for one another. Why? Verse 23, because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So Peter told this group of exiled, persecuted Christians, guys, love each other. Why? Because you've been born again. Not just through any kind of seed, but through the living and enduring Word of God. And so what, what Peter's telling them is, guys, look, you've been born again through the Word. The Word of God has caused you to be born again. Now, you might be wondering, especially if you're new to this whole Christian thing, like, what, what does born again mean? What's, what's that all about? That's some Christian jargon. Well, being born again is, is what happens when anyone becomes a Christian. So if someone says they're a Christian, what, what they should be saying and thinking biblically is that they have been born again. Jesus told a guy named Nicodemus that you, you can't even enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And so what he meant is that physically, yes, we've been born. We were babies at one point. We know what that's like. But everyone, because of sin, is separated from God, has brokenness in their life, um, has spiritual strongholds where they think the way that they shouldn't. They desire the things they shouldn't. They treat people the way that they shouldn't. We're all like that. And so we actually have to experience a rebirth. We have to have a new heart. So what God does when we become a Christian, we put our faith in Jesus, is he cleanses us. He washes us. He helps us be forgiven of all our sin. And then he fills us with the Holy Spirit and gives us a new heart so that we can live a new life, so that we can be followers of Jesus, just like Jesus. So we've been born again 
through the Word. I think about, uh, like, what does that mean? What, what is being born again? Why, how has the Word caused us to be born again? I think about uh, Paul talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We tend to think about verse 16 when we talk about the Word of God, that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, correction, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? Like we just, boom, we've all, if you've grown up in church, you've heard that, right? But what we probably haven't heard quite as much is the verse just before it. Chapter 3, verse 15, where Paul said to Timothy, From your infancy, you've known the sacred scriptures, which have given you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus. All scriptures inspired by God are useful for See, what, what Paul told Timothy there is, Timothy, you grew up reading the Jewish scriptures. You read the scriptures. And because you read the written word of God, and you read about your sinfulness and your brokenness and how God is going to judge people who've sinned against him, when you've read about a Messiah, a Savior, who's going to come and redeem and restore and make all things new, and usher in his kingdom and destroy evil once and for all. When you read the written word, it pointed you to the living word. The scriptures made you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. So here's the point. Peter's telling this group of Christians, you got in because of the word. The word got you in. The word got you into Jesus into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. These scriptures have helped you and me, if we're Christians, get in. And, and Peter continues to, to talk about this word in verse uh, 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the glass, grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, and he says, guys, you've been born again. You've got in because of the Word, and this Word is not perishable. It's not like flesh. In other words, it's not like us as humans. God's Word is permanent. It's not temporary. And so he gives this picture of grass. And think about grass. Think about the flowers. Grass is, it, it can be green and vibrant and healthy. That flower can be tall and beautiful, and yet it won't be forever. The grass withers. The flower falls. He says, but that's not like the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is forever. I, I was thinking about this over Christmas break because I'm talking with my father-in-law, Greg, and he, uh, he's turned 59, and we celebrate his birthday Friday night. And I said, Greg, how are you experiencing the speed of life as someone who's about to be 60? Now, some of y'all hear that and y'all think, 60, 59, that's a spring chicken. Others of y'all are thinking, how does someone live to be that old? And some of you are in between, right? And so I'm talking to Greg and he's like, man, my 30s, they were pretty normal. But my 40s, whew, I don't know if any of y'all felt that. So see some heads and on, like my 40s flew by. And he said, I felt like I just turned 50 and I'm already about to turn 59. Next year, I'm going to be 60. And he said, it's like seeing, you know, the speed limit. When you're driving 20, feels like you're going 20 miles an hour, right? When you're 20 years old, feels like you're moving about 20 miles an hour. When you turn 40, feels like you're moving about 40 miles an hour. When you turn 60, feels like you're moving about 60 miles an hour. It just speeds up faster and faster and faster. And the reality is that we're here for just a brief moment. 
and then we fade. Not so with the word of the Lord. See, flesh is for now, God's word is forever. So Peter says, you've been born again, the word got you in. And now there's uh, some change of life that needs to happen as a result of that. Chapter 2, verse 1, Peter said, therefore, so in light of the word getting you in, this imperishable seed, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Because you've been born again, have a new heart and spirit has filled you. Get rid of your old desires. And on the positive note, he says, here's what they should do. Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word. Crave the word of God. Hunger for the word of God. Why? So that by it, by the word of God that you're hungering for, you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Peter's telling this group of exiled Christians experiencing persecution, guys, the word got you in. You've been born again. You've been changed from the inside. But now the word's got to grow you up. The word has got to mature you. You've got to become more like Jesus in the way you think and the way you treat people. You've got to become more godly, more holy. You're not living how you used to. You're a new person living a new life. The word got you in and the word's going to grow you up. Here's what we need to understand, that God's word helps us grow up. God's word helps us grow up. Now, there's a bunch of different things that help us grow, right? Like prayer helps us grow. Being in Christian community where we're loving one another, using our spiritual gifts, like the body grows together through that. Another thing that helps us grow is suffering. If you've recently had some really hard things happen in your life, you've probably experienced how you don't really care so much about the junk that everybody else tends to get wrapped up in because you're so focused on what matters most. You're so clinging to God. You're so thinking about eternity and what's to come that you don't really care about that stuff. But Peter right here talks about maybe the single most important source of growing up in the faith. It's reading, it's craving, it's hungering for the Word of God. And the picture that he gives is a little baby. Think about a baby. Maybe you have a little baby right now. Maybe uh, you're a, a grandparent and you got a little grandkid. Maybe at one, one time you were a little baby, right? So we know babies, and we understand that babies, they, they want milk. They're craving that bottle, and so they're, they're crying out for it, and they're reaching for it. And once they get it, they're just, they're just down in that thing, right? It's gone. And that's the picture of what someone who has been born again by the Word should be like now. Now I should be so craving the Word that I'm growing up because I'm reading it, I'm understanding it, I'm meditating on it, I'm obeying the Word, I'm sharing the Word with other people, and the Word of God is shaping me, it's forming me, it's helping me become more like Jesus. I know in my own life that the season of growth for me that was unlike any other was a time when I went to Ole Miss and I wanted to be a college football coach, I've told you all that story before, and all of a sudden, I'd never experienced this, I had this desire for the Word of God. And I really started to want to spend significant amount of time reading the Bible. Uh, that, this is what we've got to do. We've got to desire the pure milk of the Word. This morning, as I was, um, was going to go get some more water, and a guy walked in and he said, Preston, he said, after last week's message, 
uh, I got really convicted that I needed to stop looking at my phone first and I need to first get in God's word. And this guy's like radiating joy as he's telling me this. He's beaming. I mean, he's fired up. And he said, Preston, I'm seven days in. I've read every day. And he was like, I'm already on where I'm supposed to be in March. He said, one morning I read for four plus hours. Now, that's an exception. Not, and everybody's going to read four hours tomorrow morning, okay? But here's my point. When somebody made the decision in our faith family to say, you know what? I'm going to hunger and crave God's word more than I do hungering and craving my screen. Because the reality is, that's what's happening. We have a craving to look at our screen and get that dopamine hit. But when you crave the word of God more and you make that change in your life, all of a sudden, you've got more joy, more peace of mind. You're beginning to be changed. The desire for the Word of God in terms of helping us grow up, uh, it, it's so evident, not just in my life and people who are in this room right now, but it's, it's what studies have shown. The Center for Bible Engagement has shown that people who read the Bible four or more days a week experience less depression, less anxiety, less pornography addiction, less spiritual apathy and feeling just in their faith. And they've really started to share their faith and disciple other people and have joy. This is just, it, it's fact. If you hunger and crave the Word of God and you're in the Bible, it's going to change you. You're going to grow up in your faith. So today, you might be asking yourself, how? How do I read the Bible daily? Now, not everybody's asking this question. I understand that. Because some of you, you've been reading the Bible daily longer than I've been born, okay? You could do a much better job of doing a sermon. You could do a much more exhaustive thing on how to read the Bible than I'm going to do today. But some of you, some of you aren't even Christians in the room yet, and thank you for being here today. A friend invited you, whatever. Some of you, you need to be born again today. You need to stop living your sinful life, just like we have all, we all acknowledge we're sinful, broken, messed up people, and you need to trust Jesus to save you, and you need to let the Word get you in, and you need to be born again. Some of you need to grow up, though. Some of you, you've been in for a long time, and so you might be thinking, well, Preston, I'm not really asking how can I read the Bible daily, because I'm not really that worried about growing, because I'm a Christian. There's lost people, and there's saved people, and I'm not a lost person. I'm a saved person, so I don't really have to to focus on growing, right? Well, a couple of things I would say. First of all, there's not just two categories. It's not just lost and saved. It's lost and it's the type of saved that you are. So for example, biblical language of hot, cold, lukewarm. You can be lukewarm and not hot. I think about Paul when he talks to the church in Corinth. He didn't just say lost and saved. He said lost, saved, and carnal Christians. In other words, Christians who still act worldly, who are acting like their flesh is ruling them. And so what I'm saying to you today is that maybe you actually haven't spent that much time thinking about growing up, and you need to. And I don't really blame you necessarily because, to be honest, depending on the circle that you run in, I think this is true just broadly of churches in America, depending on the circle you run in, there's a lot of emphasis put on the word getting you in. There's a lot of emphasis put on how many people are becoming Christians, how many people are being baptized, how many people are starting this journey of following Jesus, and we should emphasize that because people who aren't in are lost, separated from God, are experiencing brokenness, don't have hope, don't know what's coming after the other side of the grave. They need to get in. So yes, we should focus on the Word, getting people in. 
But if we just emphasize getting in and we don't emphasize both getting in and then growing people up, we're just going to be carnal Christians. We're just going to be lukewarm Christians. We're just going to say, well, I'm not lost. Yeah, but are you really on fire for God? Are you really living a life that honor and pleases God, a godly life, a holy life? So we need to think about how do we grow. So today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to stop preaching. I'm going to take my preacher's hat off. I'm putting my coach's hat on, all right? So here's what I mean. So I'm going to give you a couple of really practical things, and then we're going to actually practice doing it, and then we're going to debrief together on how it goes, okay? So if you're new, we don't usually do this, but we're going to do it today. So uh, my belief is that this is going to help you build confidence, and this is going to help you be more likely to do it tomorrow. The last thing I'll say is that some of you who have done this for a while you might be thinking to yourself, well, Preston, I'm glad you're telling them how to read the Bible daily. And you might think that what I'm about to say doesn't apply to you, but here's why I want to encourage you to stay tuned in with me. I want to ask you this question. How many other people have you trained how to read their Bible? I get that you've been reading your Bible. That's great. You probably read through the Bible multiple times. Awesome. How many other people have you trained to read their Bible? My assumption is you probably haven't trained that many people. So what I'm going to give you today, be thinking, does my kid need this? Does my grandkid need this? Does a coworker need this? Does a friend at my school need this? Whoever it is, who can I teach this to? Okay. All right. So here we go. How do we read the Bible daily in order that we can grow up in our faith? The first thing is have a plan. Now I've just realized that I've not led you well up into this point because most of you aren't writing this stuff down. And my assumption is if you don't write this down, you're probably not going to remember it or teach someone else to do it. So I want to invite you right now, would you please pull out your phone, pull out a journal, pull out something to write on right now. I'm going to wait a second for you to do it. I think this is going to be really helpful for you, helpful for you to do and helpful for you to pass it on. So the first thing, how to read the Bible daily, whatever you want to title it, is have a plan. Now there's three parts in terms of the essentials, I believe, of a plan. There's a bunch of different ways to do this. There's, this is not like the right way to read the Bible. It's not a silver bullet, but this is a way, okay? The first thing in your plan is to have a time. Second thing is a place, and the third thing is a passage. You can take a picture of the screen. You can write this down, however you want to do it. Time, place, passage. So, for example, think about yourself. What time are you going to read God's Word tomorrow? It's Monday. You really have three options. You read in, the, read in the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. That's it. Make it simple. So some of you, if you're a morning reading person, if you're thinking through your schedule and thinking, okay, how am I going to really start to do this? Well, you might have to do it before school or work. You might have to wake up, and the very first thing you do is get to that coffee table and spend 10, 15, whatever, however long, reading the Bible. Okay? Others of you, you can't do the morning. You're not a morning person. Uh, I get that, okay? Um, you might have to do it in the afternoon. So here's two options if you work and if you're a student. Just two ideas for you. If you work, maybe you've got to sit down and have lunch with God. Maybe you don't have lunch with everybody else. And maybe you just do this a couple of days a week. You can figure it out. But you just sit down at the table. You got your food and you got the Bible. And you're reading the Bible as you're eating. Maybe you need to read at lunchtime. That's the time for you. For students, for some of you, just go ahead and just stack this habit onto coming home from school. 
As soon as you get home from school, what do you do? You already have a habit. You come home from school, you probably grab fruit roll-ups or oatmeal cream pie. I don't know what you kids eat nowadays. You grab something and you get in front of the video game and you're just playing. Boom, 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 boom. Let's play, right? Okay. Crazy thought. What if you came home from school and you immediately get home, still get that drink, get the chips, whatever, and you just sit down and you read the Bible for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then you get on the video games and play. Great way to do it. For some of you, the time... You can't do the morning. You can't do the afternoon. And so it's really the evening for you. So maybe for you, you crawl into bed at the end of the day, you barely have survived another day, and you roll into bed, and you reach over, and you grab your Bible, and you read it, and you probably fall asleep while you're reading it. It's okay, no judgment here, okay? But regardless, you got to figure out the time for you. What time tomorrow? So right now, write that down. When are you going to read the Bible tomorrow? Ready? Go. Awesome. All right. If you need more time, keep thinking, figure it out. Go to the next one. Second thing, you got to have a place. Having a place will be helpful. Why? Because now you've got concrete, you're specific, you know exactly where you're going to be, and you'll think through challenges with a time you thought would work. So for example, maybe for some of you, you just, man, to sit down and actually read, you just can't do that in your season of life right now. Maybe that's just, just unrealistic. Well, maybe for you, you need to pop in your AirPods and go for a run and listen to the Bible. Awesome, great, do that. Maybe for some of you, you're not into exercising, which I'm not always into exercising. Um, and so you say, you know what, I got no other time. I got to take a shower though. So I'm going to crank up my speaker and I'm going to put on the Bible. And while I take a shower, I'm going to listen to the Bible. So maybe your place, maybe it is the coffee table. For me, it's the morning. Boom. In the morning, I'm not a morning person, but I got to make it happen or else it's probably not going to happen. First thing, get up, sit at my coffee table. I got my Bible. I got my journal. I got my pen. I got my cup of coffee. Feliz Navidad. And I'm spending time with God. Maybe that's what yours looks like. Maybe, maybe you're in your truck. Maybe you go to work, you get there 15, 20 minutes early, you're in your truck, boom. Maybe you're commuting on your way to work and you're listening to the Bible. Whatever it is, think about it. Tomorrow, morning, afternoon, evening, whenever, where are you going to read or listen to the Bible? Go ahead and write that down. If you know, go ahead and write it down. Awesome. All right, last thing for the plan. You got a time for tomorrow. You got a place for tomorrow. Get a passage. Again, a bunch of different ways to do it. This is just the way I think makes most sense to me. So here's my personal beliefs on the Bible. This is a library of books. There's 66 individual books in here. And each of them has an author and a reason that author wrote to a group of people in a time and place that they did. And whatever this book meant then is what it means now. And I apply it in different ways, but I first need to understand what did it mean then to that person who wrote those words in order to understand how it applies to my life now. So in order to help me do that, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I don't read the verse of the day, okay? I mean, occasionally I'll look at it if it comes up. If you're reading the verse of the day, that's great. That's a great starting place. At least you're reading God's word. But I would encourage you to move beyond that at some point. The reason is, is because 
you're probably going to misinterpret the Bible if you read it out of context. It's really simple. So here's what I'll do. Take 1 Peter, for example. When I'm about to have to teach through 1 Peter, what do I do? Well, I go try to read the context of 1 Peter. Who wrote it? When did they write it? Who did they write it to? Why? I'm going to look. If I'm in my Bible app, there's one translation that you can click the I icon before chapter one that gives you a short breakdown. It's the NIV translation. You can read a bunch of different ones, but that one has the context in the Bible app. Uh, sometimes I'll do Bible project videos, and I'll just look at a short animated video because that helps me picture it better. Uh, there's some commentaries that I look at. There's a bunch of different stuff, right? But I'm going to pick a book, and I'm going to pick a passage. Why? Because that author wrote that letter, and that author had units of thought. They were talking about something, and then they transitioned to talk about something else. And there's obviously bleed over and a bunch of different things, but I'm just going to read it how they wrote it in the units of thought that they did. So for, for me, tomorrow, maybe I sit down and I say, my time is in the morning, 7, 10 a.m. The place is at my chair in the living room. The passage is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. That's my plan. There it is. Easy, all right? So I want to give you an opportunity right now. You might have to think about this one a little bit more, but think about if you're going to read the Bible tomorrow, do you know what are you going to read tomorrow? So go ahead and write that down if you can. Okay, awesome. If you need to think more on it, do that. Okay, so at this point, you've got a plan. You know the time, place, and passage you're going to read tomorrow. So now, tomorrow gets here, and you sit down at your coffee table with your journal and the passage you're going to read, if you're me, at 7.10 in the morning. Now what? What do you do when it's actually time to read it? Well, here's, here's the big idea that's going to really help you, I've found, is ask questions. How can you read the Bible and really get a lot out of it? You read it and just ask questions. And there's three questions in particular. I encourage you to write these down. The first is, what does it say? What does this passage say? The second question is, what does it mean? And the third question is, how does it apply? So when I'm reading, I don't necessarily think one, two, three, because I've done this so much that it intuitively kind of flows for me and I get it, but that happened through reps, right? So if you're starting to read the Bible for the first time, you might have to be more, uh, you know, concrete or whatever. Um, but so here's the questions. What does it say? Now, this is probably going to blow all's minds. This is going to be super complex. You've never thought about this, but when you ask, what does it say? You're really going to ask a couple of further questions. You ready? Who, what, when, where, why? crazy, right? I know this is so complicated. Think about it. If you just read a, a passage and you say, okay, who's in this passage? Oh, this guy and this guy. Okay, well, where were they? Oh, they were at this place. Oh, what were they doing? Oh, they were doing this. What did they say? They said this. How did they, you see what I'm saying? You're, you're like a detective. When you start reading that passage, you're like a detective just pouring over the crime scene, trying to see every little detail. You're trying to see it. So ask those simple questions to, to figure out what does it say. 
The second question is, what does it mean? So, for example, like when I was reading 1 Peter and going through it, it said something, I read it, and then I said, why? That would be an example of question number one. What does it say? So that you may grow up in your salvation. And then I asked another question that was the second type of question. I said, what did Peter mean when he said born again? And then I explained it. And then the third question, how does it apply? I looked at, well, what did he tell us to do? Desire the pure milk of the word. What should we do? Desire the pure milk of the word, right? So you're moving from observation to interpretation to application. So every time I read the Bible personally, I'm trying to see as much as I can, who, what, when, or why, and I'm looking at maybe one word, like righteousness. What did, what, did the, what did Paul mean when he wrote righteousness or justification or sanctification or eunuch or whatever it is, right? Like, what, what did that mean then? That's an interpretation kind of question. And then application, I think through it like this. I think through head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. How do I need to think differently in light of this passage? Well, maybe when we read First Peter, I thought, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't really have to worry about growing up in the faith. But maybe after I read that, I realized, oh, no, I need to grow up. I need to be really concerned about am I maturing? Am I growing? Am I doing what's going to help me grow? Does, uh, heart, this is like your desires. What do you want? What do you long for? And so maybe before, I think, man, I really desire my way, and I desire the good feeling of talking about people behind their back, like he mentioned in verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, well, in light of that passage, how does my heart need to change? Well, I should desire the p- pure milk of God's Word. My desire changes. And then finally, hands, head, heart, hands. What practical behaviors need to change? So maybe I read that passage and I say, to be honest, I just listen to the guy talk about the Bible on Sunday mornings two to three times a month. And then maybe you think, you know what? I need to start reading the Bible daily. I need to start personally reading the Bible. And that would be a behavior change. So those are some examples of how you can do this. A last thing I'll say really quick about meaning, because in my opinion, that's the hardest one. What does it mean? Interpretation. So here's the, if you're already kind of advanced, I just want to give you this for a bigger picture. So when you are trying to figure out what does something mean, start small, start simple, start with where you're at. But as you grow, here's kind of the progression. Think about the whole forest all the way down to the tree. So for example, when you read something and you're wondering, am I really understanding what this meant? You got to think about what you read in light of the whole Bible which is kind of hard. <laughs> so you kind of got to like know a lot of the Bible to be able to assess, is what I'm thinking this means accurate? You kind of got to know what some of this stuff means broadly. More specifically, once you think about the Bible, okay, am I, under, am I really understanding what this is saying? Think about the book that you're reading. So think about 1 Peter. You read the whole book. I read the whole letter, 1 Peter. Okay, do, do I understand what born again means? Am I getting what grow up in, the, in salvation means? Well, when I read the whole letter, yeah, it seems to check out. I'm understanding it. And then the smallest level in some ways is you've even got to read the passage before and immediately after the passage you're reading. So 
I don't, I, don't tr- I don't like picking up the Bible and just reading a random passage and having no clue about what was before it, what was immediately after it, what does this writer say in this whole book, and does this check out with what I know about the rest of the Bible? So that's just a bigger picture for some of you that are a little bit further ahead. All right, so have a plan. Hopefully, y'all kind of have your own plan for tomorrow, and ask questions. What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? Now we're going to practice. You ready? Y'all excited for this? I hope you are. It's going to be good. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, pull out your Bible or your phone, or you can look up on the screen if you want. If you're watching online, go into the chat now, and you can answer those questions. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to put Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20 up on the screen. And I'm going to give you three minutes to read this passage on your own and to ask yourself, what does it say? Who, what, when, where, why? What does it mean? Is there a word or a phrase that you're not really sure? What what does that mean? And then how does it apply? What is a specific, concrete thing that you can do in your life this week as a result of what you just read? Is it a way of thinking needs to change? Is desires needs to change? Is it my actions need to change? All right, three minutes. Write it down on your phone. Write down your journal. Ready?
awesome. Thank you guys for doing that. We're going to now debrief as a group. Okay, so first and second service, they worked with me. Okay, I need you to help me out here. Don't leave me hanging. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to debrief. We're going to now talk through those questions and, and kind of figure out, you know, where we tracking. So let's just talk through the first question. I'll leave the passage up on the screen. You can have your Bible out in front of you still. Let's start with the first question. What does it say? So within that, who, what, when, where, why, y'all just shout it out. It's okay, okay? I'll give you permission today. You can shout out the answers. Um, who is in the passage? Jesus, who else? Peter, who else? Andrew. Jesus, Peter, and Andrew. Where were they? Sea of Galilee. Awesome. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was walking. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. Um, what were the two brothers doing when Jesus saw them? They were fishing. Uh, what did Jesus say to them when he saw them? Follow me. It's fish for people. Yep, I'm just paraphrasing it. How did they respond? They followed him immediately, right? Okay, step number one, you guys did it. You're Bible-reading masters at this point. Um, step number two is what does it mean? So if you were to look at that passage, what words or phrases might you want to kind of further think through? Like, okay, what did Jesus mean when he said that? Just yell it out. What words? Follow me. Fish for people. What did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? Just yell out. What do you think Jesus meant? It's okay if you said the wrong answer. Imitate. So I'm going to do certain stuff. Watch me and then do the stuff that I do. What else? Commit. Yeah, so, yeah, wow. So think about it. These guys, they had their way of life. They had how they were making money. They were fishermen, and it was going to cost them something. There was a commitment to leave that behind, and literally, what were they going to do? They were literally going to walk around with Jesus throughout entire regions, right? They're just following Jesus as he's literally walking around places. So they've left their families. They left their job. They left where they lived, and they walked with Jesus. They saw him do stuff and they imitated him. What else did Jesus mean by follow me? Trust him. That's a good one. Yeah, so baked into this is like, hey, you can trust me. You can trust me enough to follow me. What else? Anything else? Reorient. Okay, yeah, you, you were going one direction. Now follow me this direction. What else? Believe, yes, believe that, you know, in this case, they would have already seen in John chapter 1, people say, this is the Lamb of God, the Messiah. So they're believing, okay, hey, there's something to this guy. If not, hey, this is the Messiah. I think he's also saying, listen to my teaching. I'm a teacher. I'm a rabbi. Follow me. Be my apprentice. Be my disciple, which is a student or a learner of a teacher. I'm going to say some stuff. Listen to what I say. Believe it and live it out, right? So that's what Jesus meant by follow me, okay? The second thing that y'all said is what did Jesus mean by fish for people? So just yell out, what did Jesus mean fish for people? Uh, yell louder, I can't hear you. Make disciples, what else? Inspire, what else? Teach others, yes? Evangelize, okay, now. This is really good. You got, this is the best service we've had yet. Um, but, okay, so first service, someone said teach first. 
And so I asked them, I said, now hold on, what I'm hearing when I, when I hear you say that is teach Christians how to obey his commandments, which is part of the Great Commission, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. What I just heard last there, and, and people said make disciples, and I said, what do you mean by make disciples? Teach, okay? Teach people who already believe Jesus. But evangelize, what does that mean? Share your faith. So, in other words, if you're going to fish for other people, what Jesus was telling those two brothers and what he's told you is you've got to go out and influence non-Christians to become Christians. In other words, in cooperation with the Word, you got to get them in. And then you teach them. You grow them up. Every person who follows Jesus is also fishing for people. So if you're a Christian... You're supposed to help people become Christians, get them in, and you're supposed to help people grow up, teach them how to obey God. That's what you're supposed to be doing, okay? So step one, check. We saw all the things in this passage, or a lot of things in this passage. Step two, check. What did this mean to follow Jesus and fish for people? Step three, this is where the rubber meets the road, because now we're really pivoting from mainly kind of just looking at the text and, and mastering the text in a sense to letting the text master us. Now we've got to live it out, right? So if you're thinking through head, heart, hands, or however you want to think about it, for you personally, and don't worry, we won't ask you next week when you come if you did it or not, uh, but how could this apply to you? If you're going to follow Jesus, imitate him, listen to his teaching, etc., and fish for people, share your faith, baptize people, teach them to obey, what are you personally going to do this week? Just yell it out. Read the Bible, okay? How many days? Daily. So for the next six days, you're going to read God's Word, and you're going to come back Sunday saying, six days, baby, and I'm going to read it today, seven, that, that Sunday. Great, awesome. Where are you going to start? Do what? Well, oh, that's, see, that's a great question. Okay, let's do that. So let me ask you this. What time tomorrow do you think you'll read? The morning. Okay, what place do you think you'll read? Bed, bathroom, or car. Bed, bathroom, or car. You got options, okay. Um, <laughs> what, what passage do you think, and you might still be thinking, but what passage do you think you'll read more? The app will tell you. Okay, so that's a great point. New Life has app, uh, Bible reading plans. The Bible app has reading plans. That's good. Okay, awesome. All right, so that was an example of which of the two? Following Jesus or fishing for people? Following Jesus. I'm going to read the Bible. Okay? Now somebody yell out, what's a fishing for people example you're going to do this week? Invite a friend to church, okay? Share your faith. Okay, y'all two, pause. Which friend? Melody. Okay, y'all see what I'm doing right there? So what I've felt, and thank you for putting up with me, I appreciate it. Um, what I have felt is the moment I've realized, oh, wait, I should actually think about how to do this stuff, I still am at a general vague level. I haven't figured out how to personalize application to my life. Does that make sense? So the more concrete and specific I can get, the more likely I am to do it. So you said you're going to invite Melody to church? Okay. When do you think you might see Melody this week? You'll text her. Okay. When are you going to text her? This afternoon. this afternoon. Okay. Now, again, I'm not, it's okay if you don't do that, but 
Does that, do y'all see that? Y'all see what I'm saying here? Like, you th- you're like, oh, I'm going to invite someone to church. I'm going to invite Melody to church. Are you going to talk to her? No, I'm, I'm not going to see her. I'm, I'm going to text her. Okay, well, are you going to wait till Saturday night? No, I'm going to text her this afternoon. Right? Okay, good. So I hope that's helpful to just see. Like, when you read a passage of Scripture, you can do this. You can see what's in the passage. You don't have to have master guru teacher up here telling you, we're not Catholic. People died so that you could have this book in your language and read it for yourself. People were burned at the stake for that. Did you know that? And we've got six copies of it sitting on the shelf, and we don't read it. we got to have someone preach to us. And then, not this church, but when I was in Alabama this Sunday, I was cracking me up, having lunch with a few pastor friends, and, and they said, Preston, one of the biggest problems with our church, and this is an incredible church. I love this church. My wife's family goes to this church. Growing, vibrant, disciple-making church. They said, Preston, one of the biggest problems of our church is that people just want to hear a preacher preach, and then they want to go to Bible class right after and hear a teacher teach, but they don't want to get alone with the Word of God themselves. Do you realize the cost that people went through just so you could have that book? It's powerful, man. We've got to read it. We've got to take this seriously. This is going to change your life. The joy that you want, the peace of mind that you've been desiring, breaking through the the barrier of spiritual apathy, it's all right here. It is here. It's getting along with the God of the universe. It's not just a book. It's a relationship. It's like if I'm talking with my wife, I'm not even thinking about it like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking to my wife, and then I'm done. No, I'm 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 going to listen and talk with my wife. It's not, I'm going to listen 10 minutes, and then I'm, I'm going to read the Bible 10 minutes and pray 10 minutes. What? When do, you don't do that with your spouse. You don't do that with a friend. This is relational, and this is everything that we need to grow up in our salvation. All right, now, here's the last, last, last thing we're going to do. Okay, if you're an extreme introvert in the room right now, you are not going to like this. <laughs> now, barricade the doors. No, I'm kidding. No, it, it, seriously, if you really are like uh, socially anxious or like very introverted, I want to give you permission to not do this. Please don't get up and leave. But seriously, if you just need to read your Bible, if you just need to pray, if you just need to like just fake like you're doing this and just talk about like the game or something, whatever you need to do with somebody next to you, that's totally okay. I, I really mean that. Uh, for those of you who do feel comfortable enough to do this, I want to encourage you right now to turn to somebody next to you, spouse, friend, random stranger, turn to somebody around you and take 60 seconds each, and you're going to ask and answer these two questions, okay? Uh, The first question is, how did it go? So don't spend too long on this, but when you read Matthew chapter 4 and you thought through those three questions, how did that go for you? Like, did it go well or did you struggle in some way? So the first question is, how does it go? The second question is, and spend more time on this, what's your plan for tomorrow? What's the time, what's the place, and what's the passage that you're going to read tomorrow? So take about 60 seconds each and answer those two questions. Ready? Go.
60 seconds. If you haven't started question two, what's your plan for tomorrow? All right, thank you guys for doing that. Appreciate y'all. I hope that was helpful. Uh, was it helpful? Kind of gave me some affirmation. Was this helpful to you? It was? Okay. My hope is that you leave here feeling confident. You've done it. You can do this. You can hear the voice of God in your daily Bible reading, and you can walk with God closely. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for each and every person here. Bless them as some of them, they've been doing this for decades. And Lord, I pray that they would pick someone out to train. Help them to train someone to make a plan and to ask questions. And Lord, for those of us who, you know, maybe we're just starting this journey of reading your word. Uh, Lord, help us to start small. We don't have to read the whole Bible this year. We don't have to read for hours a day. Just help us to start with where we're at and help us to keep moving closer and closer to you relationally, God. Lord, just give us a rich, meaningful time in your word this week. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Help us to delight in your word and to meditate on your word and to be in awe of you, the God of the word, Lord. Thank you. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.